The ARA acknowledges the traditional owners of the land where we have recorded this podcast, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and we pay our respects to the Elders past, present and recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders as Australia's first traders, who utilise a sophisticated network of trading paths that have facilitated the exchange of goods, knowledge and culture for millennia. Hi, I'm Paul Zara, CEO of the Australian Retailers Association. Welcome to Season 5 of Retail Therapy, proudly brought to you by American Express. This season, I'll be chatting with a great lineup of leaders in Australia's retail industry right here in the Amex Lounge, including the CEOs of some of the biggest retailers in Australia and across the globe. We'll be finding out what makes them tick, what defines their leadership style, and how they got to the top of their game. Joining me for some retail therapy today is Miria Vien, CEO and Chief Sustainability Officer at IKEA Australia. IKEA is the world's largest furniture retailer and has cemented its status in Australia as the country's most recognised Swedish homeware store, offering ready-to-assemble furniture, appliances, decor and other various goods. Miria undoubtedly has a wealth of knowledge about the industry, leadership and sustainability, so I'm very excited that she can join us and share some of her insights. Miria, welcome. Thanks for having me, Miriam, did you always aspire to be a leader, even from a young age? You know, I grew up um, in the southeast of Finland on a farm. So I do believe that already this experience, uh, the family had her own business. It was growing up in an atmosphere of entrepreneurship and uh, taking care of responsibility, many things. It was my small doc in the beginning. Afterwards, in the high school, I was class representative. And then, of course, growing up more and more, have the studies as well. It was quite natural to take the leadership in the business and leading organization as well. Can you tell us a bit about how you ended up at IKEA and, and what you love? I mean, you're saying you started your career on a farm. You're now heading up one of the biggest retailers in the country. Tell us a little bit how you ended up at IKEA and what you love most about leading the company. Well, uh, I studied economics in, in Germany, and then after that, I stepped into a home furnishing retail business. It was Austrian-German um, retailer, and then after a couple of years, being in the leadership positions as well in there, I thought, okay, you should go uh, for the biggest one and the most uh, best one, let's put it like this, uh, when it comes to home furnishing. Home furnishing has been always my my love, let's put it like that, and retailing as well. So I joined then... Um, IKEA in Germany 2011 and then what I love most of the leading business and organization and people I think at IKEA it is indeed the vision we have which is to create the better everyday life for the many people and then I think uh, IKEA as well when it comes to business and people balance uh, it's quite good I like that a lot because of course we are working we are doing business through people is it then the co-workers or the customers now IKEA does really you, you, you're known for the value, for the beautiful design. Has that something that's drawn you into that as well? Because we expect that the value, given the, the current economic situation, you should do even well when the economic climate is under so much pressure. Definitely. And then uh, we say always at IKEA that uh, the range is our identity. It's a DNA, actually, because it's a unique range. Mm. Uh, we own the whole value chain, as you know, uh, starting from the design of the products, thinking about the sustainability uh, asset as well when it comes to how we create the products as well. And then, of course, 
It is the the core of the business because home furnishing and then for the many people, as Fishin says, uh, it is for the people with the thin and folds as well. Now, you're one of the very few, the only person actually in the country that's called CEO and Chief Sustainability Officer. And I think that's an amazing correlation. Now, I understand IKEA is ramping up its efforts to invest in renewable energy production in Australia. So, and you mentioned, touched on sustainability just then. Can you tell us a little bit about this and also some of your other goals and projects in terms of embracing sustainability at IKEA? Well, yes, indeed. By 2025, we are aiming to be powered by 100% renewable energy across the IKEA value chain. We believe truly that um, in clean energy, this is the future. And that's why we are phasing out the fossil fuels, investing heavily in wind and solar polar, um, both on and off-site and switching to renewable heating and cooling our buildings as well. Talking about the operations, Mm. when it comes to um, seven out of 10 stores uh, have achieved the goal already in Australia. And don't, they don't rely any uh, anymore on fossil-based energy sources. Then uh, 2019, IKEA became the first home furnishing retailer in Australia to use electric vehicles for home deliveries and assembly services. Since then, we have worked closely with our delivery partners and together our bold goals. Um, and by 2025, we have all transport associated with services offered to IKEA customers done by an electric vehicle or other uh, zero emission methods. Most recently, probably you have seen that already, we have announced a pilot in our Tempe store for parcel home delivery via electric tuk-tuks with our partner ANC Delivers, uh, which will mark the first time Australians will see them on the road delivering orders to our customers within the 10 kilometers radius. When it comes to our core and the DNA, what I said, um, the range... So inspiring a sustainable life at home is very important for us and core to our product range and how people use the products at home. Our homes and the way we live have a huge impact indeed in our health, well-being and the planet. Households, for example, are estimated to consume one third of the global energy use and 10% of the water use. At the time when the cost of living is high, as we experience right now, and consumers are focused on making the very best purchasing decisions. We know we can make sustainable products and habits the smart, easy and affordable thing to do. We know one in three Australians would consider living more sustainable if they knew it would save the money. We have in IKEA Australia, so-called IKEA Sustainable Living Shop, launched across all 10 Australian stores in late 22 and early this year. The Sustainable Living Shop is a dedicated place for IKEA products to help households use less energy and create less waste, recycle and reuse as well. In 22, we launched uh, innovative new products for Australian customers, including a Childrens Under the Sea range, which uses ocean-bound plastic recycled into polyester a first for IKEA. We also introduced a new LED light bulb, which lasts 25,000 hours and is 35% more energy efficient on average than previous IKEA LED bulbs. Miria, that's amazing. There's some great inspirational achievements there. Tell us a little bit about the food side of the IKEA business. 
Yeah, we're helping increasing the plant-based food choices in our uh, households as well. With almost 100,000 take-home Huvud Hall plant poles purchased from IKEA Swedish food market to cook at home. Can you tell me a little bit more about your investments in renewable energy? Oh, yes. So when it comes to mid and longer term, of course, the investments and bigger ones, they are needed. In the, and then in terms of the global investments, sustainability is a core strategic priority for Inca Group. It's about making the necessary investments to meet sustainability goals and support the IKEA transition to become climate positive and transition to circular business model through offering affordable solutions enabling people to live within the planetary boundaries. So recently, Inca Investments, the investment arm of Inca Group, of which IKEA Retail is part of, has recently announced a couple of significant uh, renewable energy investments. The first is taking 15% cent stake in the Australian 2 billion stake, one of the Tech Energy's Golden Plains wind farm near Geelong. This is Inca Investments' first major investment in utilized scale renewable energy in Australia and reflects its strategic priority to secure long-term access to renewable energy in IKEA retail countries in all in Asia. The second was the purchase of two operational solar PV parks uh, in Peak Hill and Trundle near Parks in Central West New South Wales and third solar PV park uh, currently under development, which is expected to start producing electricity at the end of 2025. Now, tell me also, you, you, you stand for a sustainability as, a, as an organisation, you personally, but you also do a lot in diversity, equality and inclusion. It's a core part of your values as a business. You have some strong initiatives in place for refugees and asylum seekers. Could you please share what you're doing here? Well, uh, it's important for uh, for us at IKEA that we reflect the multicultural diversity of the communities where we operate at all levels of our leadership. In particular, we want to change the narrative about how society views people from refugee and asylum seeker backgrounds by challenging perceptions and seeing people uh, who uh, they are really and the value they bring, not their stereotypes. We know 80% of refugees are still without work 18 months after arriving in Australia. As part of the global initiatives, um, IKEA has partnered with diversity and inclusion specialist community corporate to help create and deliver the IKEA skills for employment program, as we call that, designed to help overcome barriers to employment for refugees and asylum seekers in, in Australia. Refugees are highly motivated to work and bring a wide range of skills and qualifications. And yet, they face many barriers uh, when trying to join the Australian workforce, including difficulties with their qualifications being recognised, a lack of local networks, and of course the English language confidence. Participants um, spend two months in a paid work placement working at IKEA and graduate having gained crucial Australian work experience and a reference for future employment. The program we started 2021. So far, there has been 160 participants from 23 cultural backgrounds uh, with 40 languages uh, with a commitment to supporting 180 refugees and asylum seekers by end of this year. 
While the aim has been uh, strengthening pathways towards stable employment inside or outside IKEA, over 80% of those participants have been offered ongoing work at IKEA. So the Skills for Employment program has highlighted the mutual benefits of supporting refugees to enter to Australian workforce, pride in an inclusive culture, uh, create a cross-cultural competence and new membership skills for IKEA co-workers and shared languages and deeper cultural connections are creating a better customer experience too. You have been leaders in sustainability but also in diversity, equality, inclusion and that's amazing work that you're doing here with refugees, Maria, so I wanted to call that out. Now, what do you think is the most important quality for a potential leader to have? I think that there's many, many qualities you need to have, of course, but when it comes to most important, perhaps it is the self-awareness. Leading a business or leading an organization is never a one-person show. So you need to think that you have the right people with you uh, leading a business or organization, leading the people and business uh, balanced way. And the diversity uh, is giving you actually the best value you can have as a leader when your team is diverse and have different thoughts and ideas how to run the business. How would you describe your leadership style? Do you think it's evolved over time? Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's uh, take the second question first. Um, I remember when I was very my studies, uh, a lot of knowledge when it comes to theoretical uh, arriving the business and running the business. But of course, no experience in leadership, mm. right? So many, many mistakes I have done on a way. And of course, leadership is evolving. This is now, Australia is a fourth country I live and work with. So it means that, of course, I have um, uh, experienced many different cultures, many different diverse teams as well on the way. And of course, my own leadership needs to evolve and develop mm. as well. And um, uh, when it comes to how to describe my leadership, well, uh, the best way and most honest way would be if you would ask my team, <laughs> most likely. But I, I'm uh, quite decisive, uh, I have to say, when it comes to towards the goals. I'm, uh, I'm a very data-driven person when it comes to making conclusions and making decisions as well. I think I'm a pretty good listener, even though if I have decided with my team that we go for a call, it's quite hard to change uh, my <laughs> mind, let's put it like this. But I do hope uh, that I have developed more and more myself as a balanced uh, business and people leader as well. Maria, you just mentioned you sp you've worked in four different countries. How many languages do you speak? Well, it is actually uh, five. Five? Five languages. And English is not your native language. No, it's so Finnish. You're doing exceptionally, <laughs> exceptionally well. I've got to say, that's amazing. What are the other three languages then? Uh, Swedish and German and then uh, a little bit... Um, no, let's put it like this. It's four languages. Four languages. It's <laughs> four languages. <laughs> Maybe Australian is the other language. <laughs> um, could be. Could just, be. Just, just kidding. I mean, that's that's um, amazing. You're a woman of many, many talents. Now, what do you think is the best strategy to retain customers in 2023? It is to be close to the customers and listen to the customers. And then, of course, um, talking about the vision we have, as I said, uh, create a better life for the many people. This is truly meant to be like uh, for the many people. And especially when the times are getting tighter and the wallets are getting thinner, uh, we want to be there for the people mm. um, uh, in their life at home. 
And then trust is one thing as well. So how reliable the company is actually. Um, we have been, uh, let's put it like this, lucky the last months as a global company, of course, that the ocean transport has been uh, luckily decreasing. Mm. And we are passing uh, these uh, these efforts to the customers. That's why we have lately started to communicate as well that we are lowering the prices I've wherever we that. can. Yes, I've, That explains why now. Thank you very much for clarifying. Now, do you have any advice for aspiring business leaders or entrepreneurs? Because we have a lot of young people listening to this podcast series are wanting to get those so those those insights what's your advice for those people i think um, the most important thing is that you are brave let's put it like mm. this right because the world needs always even the vuca world in the complexity needs brave people to have a courage to take uh, ownership on the businesses and people and then of course making decisions even though the complexity is very high uh, but though uh, there is always a hope and we should be positive uh, when it comes to the future and how we want to create that and maria this is the most important question i'm going to ask you What's your go-to piece of IKEA furniture? It is a Boeing, which is the armchair. It's the armchair. Yes. And you have to assemble this yourself, right? Yes, of course. You have to <laughs> We do love it. the flat pack. We love the <laughs> I am the worst person putting things together. Even though the IKEA furniture, you'd have to be pretty stupid not to be able to put it together. Is that correct? <laughs> That's <what>? his correct. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy because you even get the tools in, yes. the, in the box. So. Yes. Well, Miriam, appreciate you joining us at Retail Therapy. Thank you very much uh, for spending the time with us. We look forward to you learning the sixth language. Yes. Um, <laughs> and um, all the best for your work at IKEA. We know IKEA has you know, been known for value, but now has been known for sustainability and also really around those strong values around diversity, equality, inclusion, values that align with me and the ARA. Uh, and we want to thank you for all of your work and wish you all the very best for the future ahead. Thank you very much and thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me today for Retail Therapy in the Amex Lounge. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that follow button on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You won't want to miss an episode. We can be found wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. If you're a new listener, you can find our back catalogue of new episodes, over 50 now, on our website. We've covered small business, sustainability, tech and innovation, and we even release a yearly Christmas mini-series. For more information on what we do at the ARA, head to retail.org.au. Follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, wherever you love to connect. All of the links can be found in the show notes. I'd now like to welcome Kelly Taggart, CEO of Roses Only, to the Amex Lounge. Roses Only is a leading Australian-owned retailer for delivered premium flowers and gifts. Its passionate florists, friendly floral consultants and dependable delivery drivers have brought joy to millions of people all over Australia. Formed in 1995, it brings together 45 years of floristry experience and established 10 florist studios in major cities nationwide, as well as some partner florists. Kelly, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Paul. Nice to be here. Since its inception in 1995, Roses Only would have witnessed a lot of change and development in the floristry business. What are some of the ways you've innovated and evolved the business? 
Yes, we've uh, certainly seen a lot of changes since 1995. Uh, back then, I think uh, you would have been going into a physical florist shop to buy your flowers. And these days, you have a lot of options where you can buy online, whether it's uh, through your mobile phone, either calling someone and talking to a real person or buying online through your phone or your laptop. So it really um, provides a lot of advantages there in ways that you can order in all manner of types. We've even had someone that has called in while they were riding a horse uh, and ordered flowers on their way to whatever it was that they were doing, riding a horse, would you believe it? So I guess um, back then also, first when we were online, payment options, uh, there wasn't many available. So I think we only had one payment option available. And then it's been with the likes of relationships like American Express that we've been able to really diversify those payment options for customers. And even now, uh, recently, we've been able to roll out uh, pay with points for American Express. So you can pay with your credit card points to buy your flowers, which we think is really cool. So I guess the evolution of social media has also impacted our industry quite a bit. The way that we market to customers online, uh, the rise of Google AdWords um, is a major part of the floral industry. Knowing where you want to deliver something and being able to search for flower delivery to Sydney or flower delivery to Brisbane, that's generally been on the rise since um, online has increased. Uh, and also being understanding of how we can impact uh, the environment um, with more sustainable floristry as well. And I guess over the last 15 years, we've really focused on being a data-driven company and using that data to make sure that we're not creating the waste in the first place. So making sure that we're buying what we need for when we need it, for when our customers want it, which I'm sure you can imagine is a really difficult task. Uh, we have about a hundred different types of flowers and greenery that we manage throughout the year. Um, so you can imagine the complexity that goes with that. And we've been able to get our wastage down to around two to 3% overall, which I think is pretty fantastic. Apart from that though, we're always looking at ways that people are doing things internationally and talking to our local flower farms to see what other sort of uh, business practices we can adopt as well. From before the days of the pandemic until now, what kind of patterns have you noticed in customer behaviour and how has this impacted the way you future-proof your business? I think not much has changed in the way that people still want things really fast and really reliably. But we were already investing in our digital infrastructure for our um, for all of our warehouses around the country. And then when the pandemic hit, we saw a volume really increase. So people were, they couldn't visit their loved ones. They really wanted to send a message of love to people. And we saw that really expand. And that was a really beautiful thing to be a part of. So this meant that the advancement that we've had in our technical and digital capabilities through reliable and scalable digital practices meant that we could really provide great customer service to people uh, and reliable delivery. So I guess with more customers looking at 
buying online, that's meant that we've had a much more expanded customer base to talk to. And uh, thankfully, uh, they've had a really good experience with us and they've been able to experience our brand and how wonderful it is to send flowers to someone and hear the smile on someone's face when they call you or send you a message. And that's definitely driven driven a lot of uh, customer growth and repeat customers post-pandemic. So, that's been really great for us.